Day three of figuring out what in the world we're going to talk about on this podcast today has led us to trying to figure out what in the world happened during these skills competitions today, and we're going to look at former Golden Knights players. Welcome back, everybody, to the newest, latest episode. I I don't know what the word would be, but uh, welcome to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you joining me on this Friday January 24th, which by the time this really goes up, it'll be Saturday. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw my tweet on the on the uh, Locked On VGK channel yesterday or today or whatever it was. Um, there was a network-wide issue involving uploading episodes. So it wasn't just me. It was about... Every single hockey podcaster had problems with it. I know some of the basketball people that I follow, uh, they had some trouble uh, getting their episodes up. I think it went all the way up until like five in the morning. By the time we finally were able to publish and put live yesterday's episode, I think it was like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So if it seems like this episode is stacked on top of yesterday's one, that's the reason why, and I do apologize for that. But at least, you know, you get two episodes for the price of one going into the weekend, I guess. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, yesterday we talked about Eric Halla and the prospect of him possibly coming back to Vegas either at the deadline or either, or possibly after this season when his contract runs up. And so that got me thinking, well, we might as well take a look around other Golden Knights players that are around the league at this current point in time and see how they're doing. Just see how the guys are doing from year from the year one team, some from the year two team and kind of just go on there and give my thoughts on those guys. But before we do that, and before we talk about who won what at the skills competition or something or rather uh, usual housekeeping items out of the way first, if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast uh, welcome aboard to you and to yours. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. That's a weird way I put that there. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On VGK. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster Twenty One. Or if you like sending emails, because emails are fun too, you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. Also, another reminder, if you would like to get a question in for next week's mailbag, Twitter or email would be the appropriate way to do so. Go ahead and send in your questions. You've got plenty of time. you got all weekend to do it. Uh, whatever questions you have, please feel free to send them in. They can be Golden Knights related. They can be NHL related. They can be food related. They could be... I I don't care. Is the sky blue? I I really don't care. Uh, Whatever questions you have, feel free to send them over. We we still got days to kill until next week. So we've got, we've got some time and trust me, if I have to fill it up with 20 minutes of talking about which kind of pasta is better between spaghetti and rigatoni or something like that, then then that's exactly what I'm going to do. So get your questions in and they will be answered either either Monday or Tuesday. Still kind of, I'm still kind of debating which day I want to do it. So uh, get your questions in. It'll be a lot of fun when we do the mailbag. Been a while since we've done the mailbag. Uh, so the uh, what you call it the, <laughs> the the skills competition was today. 
Um, I believe it just ended. Uh, let me go through the entire list of what happened because there were there were some fun things here. I mean, obviously the biggest event that I thought was going to happen in the night did happen. It was the uh, the three on three match between the Canadian women and the American women, which Canada won uh, two to one. That was a lot of fun. That game was. I expected a lot more scoring, but that was a lot of fun. That game was a lot of fun. And I think it was, what, two 10-minute periods so and with a running clock, so maybe we didn't get as much of scoring as we thought we did. The goaltending was fantastic in stints. There were a couple of saves in there. I was just like, holy hell, that was amazing. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the skills competition happened today. There was uh, – oh, God. What, well, let's start, let's start with this. Uh, Justin Bieber apparently made an appearance, uh, quote unquote, Justin Bieber. Uh, that was not Justin Bieber. That was Tomas Hurdle, <laughs> um, wearing a Justin Bieber mask during the save streak competition, the competition that Mark Andre Fleury won, uh, two years ago and going up against Jordan Bennington. Now, obviously there's been a little bit of a, I don't know. Do you call it a beef? Do you, do you call it a, what do you call it? Is it a beef? Is it a rivalry? What is it? I don't. I don't know. But whatever it is between Justin Bieber and Jordan Bennington, um, Tomas Hurdle thought it would be funny to put a Justin Bieber mask on his face while he's going in for the shot on Jordan Bennington. Bennington made the save, I guess, to to divert any distractions or something of the sort. So that was fun. Uh, Bennington did go on to win. The Save Street Challenge, the St. Louis Blues goaltender doing it in front of his home crowd. Uh, the fastest skater, Connor McDavid, was upset by Matt Barzal. Did not expect that. Did not see that coming under any circumstance whatsoever. I did not believe that there would be someone who could dethrone one Connor McDavid, and it turned out that that was the case. I think the uh, official numbers here, Barzal clocked in at 13.175. McDavid was at 13.215, and then the rest were just bleh. I mean, the, the rest were just there, right? Kreider, Eichel, McKinnon. I'm surprised McKinnon finished 13.895. wonder how much he really cared to do that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Declare 14.05, Konechny at 14.113, and Quinn Hughes 14.263. But Matt Barzal upsetting Connor McDavid, doing it for ratings, I guess. I I don't know. Um, But good on Barzal to get the victory there. Uh, The hardest shot competition by no surprise under any circumstance, it was won by Montreal Canadiens defenseman Shea Weber. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, shout out to Al McInnes, who decided to just jump right in and shoot 100 miles an hour. God bless him. He's doing really good stuff there. Uh, Patrick Kane won the Shooting Stars event where the players stood on a stage and shot pucks into targets. Okay. Uh, but that wasn't even the highlight for me. The highlight for me of that was Brett Hull deciding to do the the Shooting Stars event. And I, I must tell you that Brett Hull has not changed once since June. 
And when I say that, I mean he has probably still been drunk this entire time since the Blues won the Stanley Cup. The the man is just living his best life. And you know what? For someone who won the Stars, the Cup in 1999, all I can say is, you know what, Brett? You do you. You do you, my friend. Do what you are born to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else we can say outside of Brett Hull just continues to stay the utmost drunk. Um, I think that was it. It was just, it was just those four or five events, right? You know, the, the five, the one game and the five events. Really, ho hum. It went you know like, like that, just at a snap of a finger. It just went by very quickly. Um, so yeah, there was the skills competition. It went as expected. Max Pacioretty didn't even participate except throwing a shot onto the save streak. So it is what it is. A very ho-hum event for the Golden Knights. Unless, unless my prediction holds true tomorrow. And if the Pacific Division loses 10 to 1, um, I'm going to venture a guess that Max Pacioretty will score that one goal. Just a guess. Just a guess. Uh, Some quick news. Before we get into our evaluating of former Golden Knights, uh, the NHL announced today it's all-decade first team. I believe there were more teams added on to that, but as we, as far as I know, there has only been a first team that was released, and Golden Knights goalie Marc-Andre Fleury was named to the all-decade first team, which, you know what? I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I know he's won a lot of games. He's won three cups, well, two in this decade, but he's won three cups and he's led two different franchises to the cup final. And I guess by all accounts, that is going to uh, get you over the likes of Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford, and any other goal center that you can think of that would probably be uh, in that kind of conversation. But uh, congrats to Flower. That that is a uh, that is a well received uh, recognition, and he joins a very loaded uh, Chicago Blackhawks and a fellow former teammate as well. There was uh, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, no surprise there. Patrick Kane, no surprise there. And then on the defensive side, Duncan Keith, no surprise there. Drew Doughty, Drew Doughty is the all-decade first-team defenseman, and then Flower in goal. And I do believe they did release a second team. I actually just scrolled right by it. Give me one second as I look for this thing. It was literally just there on my timeline. Here we go. The all-decade second team. I Wow. This is actually the first time I'm seeing this. Okay. You know what? I like this. I like this team. This is a good second team. Uh, you could probably make the case for another another one here or there, but uh, the all-decade second team, Evgeny Malkin, so another Penguin, Steven Stamkos, Patrice Bergeron, and then at the defense, Eric Carlson, Zdeno Chara, and in goalie, Henrik Lundqvist. So the two goalies that are tied for fifth place in all-time wins at this moment uh, are on the all decade second or on the all decade teams. Very cool. I, I don't know who would win in a five on five matchup for that. I think we'd have to fire up the old uh, PlayStation or something like that. 
Uh, the players were selected by a panel, including NHL GMs, hockey ops, NHL.com writers. I did not. And, I, and when I say NHL.com writers, I mean the uh, the staff and the uh, those who are working up in New York. Obviously, correspondents did not get a uh, get a vote in this. And on-air talent from NBC, Sportsnet, and TVA. So there you go. I wonder who would win a game like that. In all seriousness, I, I think that would be very interesting to see who would win in a in a five on five. Obviously, you'd have to wonder a which team would be better. B, do you just like turn off the stamina in the video game and just go, hey, just keep on going, score as many goals as you possibly can. This and the other thing. I think uh, that worked, right? I don't see why that wouldn't work at all. Um, but yeah, a very interesting selections for the first team. Very surprised to see Flower on there, to be completely honest with you. I did not think um, that he was going to get... I mean, I know he was... I mean, I'm looking at it now. 322 wins in the decade, which was first. And then he had 43 shutouts, which was fifth. Um, but even when he was just the backup... In Pittsburgh, I was like, well, that's there goes the end of Flurry. And then he just comes back to Vegas. They go on the cup final run, and it was just an amazing type of ordeal. Um, but yeah, good good on Flower to make the um to make the all decade first team. Good for him. Very, very good. All right, so the moment you've all been waiting for, the moment that I've been I guess I've been waiting for it too. We're going to take a look at some former Golden Knights. And either some that are still in the league, out of the league, playing in different countries. I think we got a wide variety of mix as to all of those, actually. So just wanted to go through some names from the year one team, some some names from year two that were kind of there, really not, but... Um, yeah, figured we'd do that because we're still trying to scrounge up topics for this week. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and take a look here. The first player I wanted to bring up, I got them all lined up in a row here. Uh, Colin Miller, a name that I haven't really talked a lot about lately um, because Colin Miller has had a really very quiet season in Buffalo. He was traded as part of the salary cap relief dump Um for Vegas in hopes of getting under the cap while signing William Carlson to their new deal. Um, seven points in 33 games for Colin Miller. That is not ideal. He did have an assist against Vegas. So there, there is his point there. But, I mean, you look at how Miller's play this year. I mean, let me pull up the game log here really quick. That assist against Vegas was his first point in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. It has been a rough go for Colin Miller, who didn't score his first goal of the year until December 8th in an overtime win against Edmonton, and he was the one who scored that winning goal. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it before. I do think, given the right circumstances, I think Colin Miller would be somewhat of a help on this team right now. I, I don't think he would have regressed as far as he if he was in Vegas I don't think he would regress as much as he has in Buffalo I I really have a hard time thinking that I mean obviously there was moments last year when he was a healthy scratch and you know paying 3.8 million dollars to a defenseman 
the, the, the why are you scratching him? And I guess that might be a rift between, you know, the organization and the coaching staff. I mean, you can throw any sort of uh, any sort of claim to that as you will. But I, I think given another chance, I think Colin Miller would be a great help to this team. I, I, I just think that, you know, he's someone who's known the system before, you know, heavy shot can help on the power play. Even if he's not scoring, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a fan of Colin Miller. And I, and I think that he's going to be someone who eventually is going to have to find another fresh start. I don't think Buffalo is going to get it done for him. Um, but I think if, I think if he were still in Vegas, I think it would be fine. It wouldn't be great, but it'd be better than what the options they have now. And I think that's important to realize. Uh, the next one I wanted to bring up, David Perron. And obviously he's an all-star this year, I believe for the very first time. Uh, the 31-year-old is averaging a point per game in his uh, second season back with the uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, he's been amazing this year. He has been unreal in a in a season where the blues have lost vladimir tarasenko they haven't gotten a lot of scoring from ryan o'reilly a lot of their scoring has kind of come secondary really perron has been killing it almost every single game and the fact that he's at a point per game pace right now he's he can make a case to be the best player on the blues to this point he's been very good at both ends and the fact that he's he's got 21 goals, which I believe is close to a career high. His career high was 28 goals back in 2014 when he was with Edmonton, which, I mean, if you're with Connor McDavid, you better score goals. But 21 goals, he's easily going to eclipse last year's total of 23, and he's on pace to eclipse, well eclipse his career high of 66 points, which he set with Vegas back in 2018. So... Very fun year to see David Perron just kind of be that kind of uh, offensive stalwart that the Blues have needed in the absence of Tarasenko, and uh, they've been rolling along. And if that, and if O'Reilly can get it going, if you know the other guys that they have, they can get their offense going. That is going to be a very dangerous team. (laughs) I don't think anybody wants to see them. Uh, another guy that we haven't talked about a lot lately, but we should is James Neal. Now 28 points through 49 games, not the best stat line really, but it has been a very interesting year for James Neal. Uh, what was it? 11 goals in his first nine games. He led the league and then he cooled off a little bit. And now he's at 19 goals. He's six away from tying his total with Vegas. Um, he's 11 away from his first 30 goal season since 2016, which was his second to last season with Nashville. Um, I don't think he's going to get the 81 points he had with Pittsburgh in 2012. Um, but it has definitely been a very interesting time for James Neal. And the fact that he's back on a playoff team and he's actually supposedly contributing to a playoff team, I think is good is good for James Neal. Um, and I know plus minus isn't really the best thing to look at. James Neal's a minus twenty. Like it's one thing if you're like a minus five, and you're like, oh yeah. minus twenty? Holy hell, man. <laughs> I, I know plus minus is such a obscure stat, no one really cares about it, but my God. Minus twenty. Woof. 
but at least he's scoring goals and the Oilers are in a playoff spot right now. So what, you can't really say anything really bad about that. Uh, Tomas Hika, I believe, is back in like Russia. I believe, uh, you know, he had so much potential when Vegas got him and there was just, when he was tearing it up in the AHL, it was just like, if this guy could put it together in the NHL level, he'd be a great third line guy. And unfortunately he just never got it together. He never found the scoring prowess that would have made him an effective middle six guy in Vegas. I think he had seven points in two years, which is like 27 games total for Vegas. And I think he's back. Um, I, I, last I checked, I think he was still he was back in Russia or he was somewhere in Europe. Um, but th- but that's one of those instances where it's like y- you wonder what if what could have been if Tomas Hika actually put it together from when he was in the AHL to when he got to Vegas, and it just, if he was able to put it together. He would be such a valuable contributor, and I think and I think that's kind of one of the underlying man what if stories. Um, another what if story: someone who could very much help with uh, with the Golden Knights defense. Brad Hunt, uh, now with the Minnesota Wild, uh, being traded to Minnesota late last season. Uh, Fifteen points in forty four games, but he has seven goals, which is a career high. And his eight assists are the most he's had since uh, the inaugural year with Vegas when he had 18 points in 45 games. So he's kind of on that same pace. Um, you know, been a scratch here and there. He's going to be a third pairing guy. But if there's one thing you can always count on with Brad Hunt is that he gives you points at opportune times. And unfortunately for the Wild, he's in a position where he's playing with a team that doesn't really rely on offense very much. So he's not really going to get his especially in he's not going to get his assist numbers. I thought that when he was with Vegas, he was fantastic. He got a chance. He was a great locker room guy, someone who was a valuable asset to that room and someone who is the embodiment of if you work your ass off, you are going to get a spot in this league. And he earned that contract that he got with Minnesota. I mean, he's only making like 700000 but the fact that he's made money at the NHL level and got a contract out of it, I think is a testament to his hard work because there were so many times where he was getting sent down to Chicago and he was coming back up. He's like, Oh, I'm just hoping to get my chance. And you know what? He got his chance and he's making the most of it. So, uh, very happy to see Brad Hunt do what he's doing. Uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar continues to kill it, uh, already with a career high 18 points for the Colorado avalanche. A guy who I think could be a real help for the Vegas fourth line. I I know I will stick by this. Ryan Reeves at the end of exit at the end of exit interviews last year, the one thing that Reeves told me was that Belmar was the heart and soul of that fourth line. And really in game seven, uh that was the case. I think they really missed Belmar. They missed him on the penalty kill. Um, you know, far and beyond the uh the five minute major, but they miss his penalty killing. They miss his grit, his toughness. And he's going to be hitting 20 points soon for the first time in his NHL career. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. He's already got a career high seven goals. One more will be a new career high. Um, but he's having a great year with Colorado. And Colorado's depth has been one of the main reasons why they've been so good this year. 
And Belmar is definitely one of those signings that I think Vegas would definitely benefit from at this current point in time. Uh, the next one we'll look at Ryan Carpenter, who is having a very solid year with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was really a depth signing. I think it was like three years for $1 million per year. And he's a fourth-line guy who has definitely had really a solid year. He's been on the fourth line mainly with uh, first-round pick Kirby Doc, but he's got 13 points through 50 games. Uh, he had 18 points last year in 68 games. Uh, his time in the inaugural season was really remarkable. I mean, there was that stretch where I think he scored a goal in like five straight games, and it was like, where did this guy come from? You know what I mean? And he had, I think it was nine goals in 36 games in the inaugural year. And, you know, I Carpenter was always one of those guys where I thought he was a good locker room guy. But at the same time, whenever he got into the lineup, I was like, why is he in the lineup? Because he could not contribute anything to the third line. And that was really, really his only detriment because he always did the little things right in, along the boards. He always did the little things right in playing for puck possession. But it was just, it never got together offensively. And that was really one of the unfortunate things. If he could have been a guy that can get you like 10, 15 goals, I think I think that that would have been a huge benefit for Vegas. Unfortunately, just he couldn't replicate what he did in 2018. And that was really what set him, uh, set him really away from Vegas, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, Luca Spiza. Remember Luca Spiza? You know, the guy that basically did the stupid turnover in Game 5 of the Cup Final that led to Vegas not keeping the series alive. That Lucas... No, I I kid. Lucas Pisa's one of the best interviews I've ever... You know, one of the best guys I've talked to in the the Vegas locker room. Uh, Now with the Winnipeg Jets, he has 10 points this year through 38 games. He just come off a two-assist night against the Columbus Blue Jackets on the 22nd. He's been okay. I mean... Given the fact that the that the Jets have had so many problems with their uh, with their defense core with Bufflin and you know obviously moving on from Truba, you know what that that's I mean that's commendable to, to come in and be like hey I don't want to go to the Anaheim Ducks I want to go or I he wanted to go to the Ducks but the Jets were like no you're gonna come over here and Spees has got ten points in thirty eight games minus two you know it's it, he's doing what he can I guess is the best way to put it. Brendan Leipzig, the legend Brendan Leipzig, 10 points through 49 games with the Washington Capitals, uh, three goals this season. God, I will never forget when he scored a goal, he scored that first goal for Vegas, just the whole city just wanted to throw a parade in his honor. And God, he was he was such a good playmaker as far as passing goes. But if he had just put a few more goals in there, Man, could you imagine how much of a difference maker he could have been? Just it, he would not have been traded for Philip Holm. Uh, that's another guy I, I I totally forgot about Philip Holm. I'm not about to look up Philip Holm on this podcast. But if Leipzig could have just, man, he was so so close. I mean, and he finished with 23 points in 2019, which was a career year for him. And then he ends up going to Washington as a fourth line guy. And he's really getting more time now that Chandler Stevenson was traded to Vegas. So he's making the most of his opportunities for sure. Um, Oscar Lindbergh, the the Lone Ranger 
in the Mark Stone trade. Uh, Oscar Lindbergh is now uh, in Switzerland, I believe it is, playing with uh, E.V. Zug. Zug. Uh, 22 points and 35 goal, or 35 games for one Oscar Lindbergh. Not bad. Not bad at all. I mean, you know, he was one of those guys, again, that you watched him play and it was just like, why are you not scoring? And then he had the stint, I think it was last December, when he scored like four goals in five games and everyone's like, oh, here he goes. Here's Oscar Lindbergh. And then somehow, by by some stretch of the imagination, Oscar Lindbergh somehow was involved in the trade for Mark Stone and all they had to do was give up a second-round pick in Eric Branstrom. And the Senators had no use for Oscar Lindbergh, even though he had like eight points in 20 games when he got traded, which it's kind of unfortunate. But killing it in Switzerland, I mean, the Swiss have good hockey. They've got good chocolate and they got good hockey. Um, can't really go wrong with that. And finally, I know there's a lot of guys, but we've already gone so long with this. Uh, Vadim Shipashev. <laughs> Vadim Shipashev has been very good in Russia. <laughs> oh man, what could have been if Vadim Shipashev reported to Chicago and played for the Wolves and actually practiced on the smaller ice? What could have been? I don't know if he would have been worth nine million dollars over two years, but he would have, he would have made things interesting a little bit for the Vegas. Uh, for the Vegas contingent. He's now with Dynamo Moskva. He's at, he had 68 points in 2019 and then 57 points in 52 games for Moskva. He was a captain for Dynamo Moskva this year. And uh, yeah, he's over a point per game. So there you go. Will a Russian, will a superstar Russian forward ever play for the Golden Knights ever again? This is a question I think we will answer at another podcast. First Shipashev, then Gusev. Will there be another Russian to come along and be like, you know what? I want to play for that organization. I want to play for that organization that forced Vadim Shipashev to retire so we didn't accrue his cap hit, and we traded Nikita Gusev because we thought he cost way too much um, coming over in his first season for Russia even though he might have been able to help out tremendously with our with our team. By the way, Nikita Gusev has 28 points in 45 games. I'm just saying. I, I know that the idea of Gusev, it, it, it's still a touchy subject. Did the Golden Knights win that trade? I don't think we'll ever know. But all I'm telling you is this. He would be, at this moment, one, two, three, four, five, he would be the sixth highest scoring forward for the Golden Knights at this point. He would have three points more than Paul Stasny. He would have double the points than William Carrier. He would have 15 more than Alex Tuck. Uh, Nosek has 10. Reeves, 9. I'm just saying... I don't know if he'd be able to replicate 28 points. But I think he'd have a pretty good shot at replicating 28 points in the Golden Knights system. I'm just saying, we're going to revisit this in about another year. He's probably not going to score 60 points. 
But man, how much of a help would Gusev be right now? How much of a help would Gusev be right now? Probably another discussion for another day. Maybe Monday or Tuesday. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, guys. So that is a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. I mean, this is what happens when you have so many former players in the span of two years, which I guess is a good thing, bad thing. And there were even a few more that we didn't uh, get to. We didn't get to Nick Suzuki. We didn't get to Eric Brandstrom. Uh, We didn't get to Max Legacy, who I think is in Boston's AHL system. So we, there are a lot of guys that we didn't get to. Maybe another time down the road, we will revisit that sort of uh, that sort of trip down memory lane with the old Golden Knights. So that is going to do it. Uh, again, this is going to go up a little weird. I think I'm going to push this to Saturday. So this will go up Saturday, um, just because by the time last night's episode went up uh, today. Um, it's just too much time and I don't want to put like everything on. So, so this will be going up in the morning. Um, we'll be back Monday, hopefully to do mailbag on Monday. So again, send in your questions, send in whatever else you feel need. You, you want to put in there. I, I don't care. You know, do whatever you got to do. If you'd like to contribute to this mailbag, all of it is greatly appreciated. Again, you can tweet it at locked on VGK or at me at Danny Webster 21. Or send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. Get your questions in. And uh, we will, I will answer them. I will answer them all. Because I love you guys. And I love your questions. This podcast took a quick turn for very weird purposes. Uh, so that's going to do it for me this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. All of it is greatly appreciated. And enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the All-Star game, if you actually are going to watch it on Saturday. And then enjoy the bye week, because then the bye week will be done. And then we will go right back into action next week with that ever-so-needed back-to-back to get us back into hockey. It already feels weird that we've already gone this long without organized Golden Knights hockey the final 30 games are going to be a lot of fun or a lot of pain, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on. So thank you guys for listening. I will see you on Monday. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And have a good weekend and have a good one. Locked on Golden Knights.